Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I have in the studio with me uh, National MP for Hamilton East, David Bennett. How are you doing? Good morning, Reese. Uh, it's great to be on the, the Kiwi Talks and uh, first time on here. Yeah, uh, hopefully not the last. No, no, and certainly <laughs> willing to come back and uh, that's a great uh, endeavour that you've got going and uh, well done. I think it's really impressive that you're going out there trying to get the communication going so people have a chance to get both sides of the story and then make their own mind up. So yeah, uh, yeah, well it's, done. It's very, very important that the, the correct narrative gets out there. Yeah. So hopefully I can help some way in that. Yeah. Uh, I want to know how you got into politics in the first place because I'm always interested in why someone gets into something that's so polarizing, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's polarizing. Um, it's it's life and it takes all your life up. But it's uh, it's very intense. Uh, so I joined the National Party after the two thousand two election, which was our worst sort of election result. Yeah, yeah. But like the Labor Party in England, <laughs> their result yesterday. <laughs> So we've got to give them a, a serve while we're yeah, starting Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, take a shot there. Yeah, take a, take a freebie at the start. But, um, yeah, so I joined. The, we were at our lowest point then, uh, 22% or something in the polls. So, you know, historically a very low result. Uh, it was off the back of, um, you know, probably the the Clark era, which was at its strength. Um, you know, also the fact that uh, National sort of lost its way and it tried too much, I, I think, at that time. And all political parties have their bad days as well. So, no, of course, you, know, you can't be at the top forever. No. And so I think under the MMP system, you get bigger shifts. So under first past the post, you might um, go from, say, 50 seats to 45 on a bad day or whatever. Mm. But an MMP, um, because people can shift their party vote to a third party, uh, you actually can have really big shifts. So you can go from 45 to 22 and back with an election. So I think um, the, the result looked worse uh, because of the MMP environment than it would have been on the first past the post. Uh, at that time, I was president of Young Farmers, uh, so, or just finished president of Young Farmers. So I guess that was my sort of on-train to politics. Um, I'd studied law and commerce at university. So I guess when you study law, you always think about politics. Cause, yeah. yeah, most yeah. politicians, you know, uh, come from a background of law. Yeah, because yeah. you're either making the law or interpreting the law. Yeah. Um, so you're better to making it than interpreting it, I thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, then I worked for a couple of years for KPMG in Auckland, um, right. accountancy, and uh, then went dairy farming for 10 years. And that's when I was president of Young Farmers and got involved with the National Party. And, you know, it, did, did they contact you or did you contact them? No, I contacted them, but you got to know the political people when you've been working in Wellington with Young Farmers representing them and getting funding and things like that. So you got to meet them all. And uh, basically, I think at that time, if you were under 40 and um, and you seemed half reasonable, they gave you a job straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, my rise to the National Party was pretty pretty rapid. Uh, but it was all about timing and um, being in the right place at the right time and uh, and taking advantage of those opportunities. Have you, have you noticed a massive change in the political sphere while you've been in, in, in the game, though? No. Um, or has it just relatively stayed the same yeah, it had, in terms it, it, of how it, the politics is? Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely just the same. Uh, I think the issues that you focus on when you first join uh, uh, or when you first stand for parliament change. Yeah. Uh, so some people say they're going to change the world and they're to, 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 to save the whales and everything. Well, you know, those people are just dreamers and, and um, they're never going to get there. And achieve, and achieve that goal. And, and you'll see them come on. You'll have them on the show. And oh, say, yeah, of yeah. course. And, and the reality is you, you do little steps and every politician is just one um, link in the chain. And, you know, there's always another one that replaces you and there's always another one either side of you and your party. And uh, so what you can do is incremental things. Mm. Um, they're, they're not a vast change that happens out of one politician. So even if you look at some of the bills that may go through that you see as, um, uh, as social change, you know, or something like, you know, marriage quality or um, euthanasia, you know, you take euthanasia, for example, David Seymour is not the one that 
accepted euthanasia. No. The Labor Party has been pushing it for 20 years. Marion Street put bills up. Um, you know, in New Zealand First, they put a bill up. So, you know, all that lays the foundation for someone to actually, and you just have to be the lucky person at that time. Because um, well, people seem it. to forget history, don't they? And they just yeah. focus on the one individual at that yeah. present time. Yeah. And a lot of politics is incremental and it's just building on the base. So uh, that's why I say if someone's going to go in there and change the world, well, they're not. They might help to change the world uh, and a lot of other people will help as well. Uh, but no one really has that power. It's a, it's a team game and it's a long-term game and it builds on where the community directs politicians to go. So, you know, it, it's a time game. Mm. So when you get together um, in caucus and yeah. stuff, uh, how do the conversations go? How long are they usually? Uh, depends. When you're in government, I think they're shorter. Uh, but, and when you're in opposition, the longer. Uh, yeah. uh, so I think the the reason that of that is because when you're in government, you've got um, a cabinet which makes decisions on policy, mm -hmm. and caucus is very rarely going to override a cabinet decision. Yeah. So um, it's more of an informative thing uh, rather than a decision making process. Right. Uh, when you're in opposition, it really depends on the style of the. Uh, opposition leader at that time, whether they're, um, they have a definite view on a certain area, they might um, believe that, well, hey, this is something we need to really track down for the party for our particular uh, positioning for a campaign or whatever, or they may have a personal view on a, on a particular issue. Uh, so it becomes a lot more around the process and the engagement and opposition where in, in, um, in government is more around uh, what cabinet decides and then caucus is really a rubber stamping. So what do you find the differences between, say, Simon and John Key and Bill English? Yeah, well, Simon and Bill and and, um, and John probably weren't that different. I think the biggest difference I saw was between um, John and Don Brash. Ah, yeah, yes. Yeah, they had quite different styles. Don Brash was the sort of just put something on the table and what do people think? Well, that's probably not the best idea when you've got 50 people there that have an opinion. <laughs> so well, say. I'd imagine it would be, it'd lead to a huge debate. Yeah. yeah. Whereas John's approach, and I think that's been followed by Bill and Simon, is more, well, this is the situation we're dealt with. These are the options we've got. Um, you know, this is probably the preferred option. Has anybody got any comments, anything you, we should be thinking about? And that saves a lot of time in the process mm. uh, because just laying out what's possible. Yeah. Does it get heated though sometimes? Not really. Um, I think that the pretty people are pretty respectful. Yeah. Um, you know, they have different views and, and they might um, have a different view on one topic and then the next topic they might actually see the same point mm. and someone else has the different view there. So, yeah, um, yeah I, and I think that in the nature of the beast is that you're part of a team and, uh, you know, you've you got to be respectful in your opinion and you've got to be able to put it out there. Um, if you don't put it out there, you know, you're not going to get heard. Uh, so you've got to push it a bit. But at the same time, I think you, you've got to realise that in the end of the day, you're going to be working with these people together and, um and they're the closest people you're going to have around you to in a campaign because they know exactly where we're going. They're doing the same thing in their electorates um, and you need to rely on them. So I think that you don't want to burn too many bridges in that sense. Yeah, fair enough. Now, I know one of the biggest things you're pushing is for the extension of the expressway. Yeah. Why is that such an important point? Well, if you look at Hamilton's growth at the moment, it's only because of the expressway. Um, and that's mm. linking Hamilton to Auckland. You know, like if you look at somewhere like Gisborne or Palmerston North or um, New Plymouth or Whangarei, yeah. they haven't grown. And Whangarei is a great example. It's got proximity to Auckland, yep. because, um, but it hasn't got any linkage. And we have got a linkage that we've built. And the next step of that linkage is to go to Tauranga. And uh, when we got the expressway um, approval, uh, there, there had been a proposal from Tauranga uh, for a road from Tauranga directly to Auckland. So mm. that would bypass Hamilton. Right. So uh, there's part of the Kaimais around Katikati there that you could go through pretty quickly. And um, that would 
drop the Hamilton out of the Golden Triangle in New Day and you have the Port of Tauranga being connected with the major population centre of Auckland. Right. Now that um, is the really the Sydney to Brisbane model and you can see what's happened there. Everything along the coast grows. Yep. Everything in land dies off. Dies off, yeah. So I didn't want that to happen for Hamilton um, and I don't want that to happen in the future. And that's the big strategic battle that's going on in Hamilton. You can talk about you know, growth of peacocks and you can talk about um, the gardens or theatre, all that stuff. It's all effectively pretty irrelevant compared to the major political dimension was how Hamilton links in with Tauranga now. So Auckland will be the biggest city in New Zealand by a mile. Yep. Um, the question is, how will that Golden Triangle look? And if it isn't Hamilton and Tauranga pretty equal partners, if it's Tauranga is a bigger partner than Hamilton, then we've got big trouble. Mm. And I'll go into why we've got that big trouble, because Hamilton is growing. You know, we, we add in about 3,900 people a year. Well, Tauranga adds in about 3,600. But at a percentage rate, they're growing quicker than us. Oh, Right. And the days of Tauranga have been seen as the old people's retirement village are gone. Uh, they're getting a lot more younger people in there working for banks and things like that. And there's a campus of the University of Waikato there as well. Yeah. yeah. So I'll come on to why that's important as well. And so effectively, don't underestimate Tauranga's growth. It's, it, yeah. it, it, and they, on a percentage basis, will probably overtake Hamilton at some point. Are you concerned? Because my thoughts on Tauranga is it's very fast, uh, fastly becoming Auckland 2.0 in terms of house prices and congestion. Yeah, it is, but that's where they want to be, and um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh no, of course yeah, not. Because if you're not in the Auckland growth mode, you know you're in the Gisborne mode, which you don't want to be in, and so um, so. Everybody wants that, you know, people want to have a velodrome, they want to have a theatre, they want to have all those good things that come with growth. Yep. Um, and if you're not growing as fast as your neighbour, the good things go to them. Mm. And so Tauranga's, um, another part of Tauranga is its, its lack of government. So if you go to the Waikato and you look at Hamilton, uh, you've got the IRD here with hundreds of staff, your ACC with hundreds of staff, uh, you got pretty big Ministry of Education. You had Ministry of Education, NZTA, were both based here for both regions. Now they're split. Uh, you've got immigration that's a very big employer here. So you've probably got about, say, 2,000 jobs here that are government. Hmm. Go to Tauranga, probably 300. Um, and so for a similar-sized city, they haven't had much government investment. Why and is that? because they've always been a little bit smaller than us and we've been bigger. Mm. Um, but as that population growth changes, there will come a time where Wellington will go to Wellington and say, well, look, Auckland's the massive city. You know, invest in that, do what you do. Yep. But north of Taupo, we're the next biggest. Right. And where's our government services? Why aren't you employing people like ACC or IRD in Tauranga? Why haven't we got a university? Why haven't we got a tertiary hospital of the same size as Waikato or bigger? Mm. And so that's the geopolitical thing that's going on. Okay. So that's why I say those other things are essentially pretty irrelevant because they're all nice to haves for now. Yeah. And they are uh, short-term visions of the next five or ten years. The reality is what we've got to look at is the 30-year vision of where we sit in that golden triangle. Well, yeah. I know Tainui have this inland port that they're planning, which is supposed yeah. to and I'll come be to the ground. Yeah. We'll, but the, the crucial thing at the moment is linking with Tauranga. Mm. So if we don't link with them, then they will link directly with Auckland. So that's right. still live for them. The day they do that and their population gets bigger than ours, then they will go to Wellington and say, where's our Wellington jobs in Tauranga? Why has Hamilton got them all? Um, why has Hamilton got a university when we haven't? And why have they got a tertiary hospital, which we spent $500 million on, when we only spent $150 million on their one last time in government? Mm. So they'll be, they'll be doing that. And you can see what they're doing there. Um, 
so they've got a port fund of 200 million of cash. Yep. So you can see how hard it is to raise money in Hamilton for a theatre or whatever. Well, they've got 200 million cash. So when the university goes over there, the council gives them a block of land for free. And they've got 25 million cash to build. Ah, I see. So they're because they own the shares in their port. Yeah. And it makes a lot of money. And they're sitting on a lot of cash. So they've got the ability to make government decisions very easy. So if you're a government and you're sitting in Wellington and you go, well, you want to expand University of Waikato, well, do you go to Tauranga where they're going to put in 25 million or do you go to Hamilton where you've got to put your own 25 million in? Mm. Uh, if you've got a, a hospital you want to upgrade, do you want to do it in Waikato or do you want to do it in Tauranga where they're going to put some money in? Yeah. So um, so they're going to, they've been very cautious but very smart around their long-term approach. Yeah. And uh, that is the battle for Hamilton. That's why that road is so crucial. If we don't get that link with Tauranga now, when they are bigger than us, they won't want that link. But that link, well, they won't be bigger than us anytime soon, though. I reckon probably a decade or so. You reckon? Yep. 160,000 here, 120,000 there. It's not going to take long. Yeah, I suppose that's true. What's your thoughts on public transport, though? Because I know you're pretty anti this train. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get, so we'll talk about the Tainui port example for a sec. You know, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, so that's on lease land. Okay. So um, that's very difficult for people to invest in at the moment because they want to go onto private ownership land. So Tainui is going to either have to drop the rental on that to a degree where, um, you know, because if, if you've got low interest rates out there, if you're a company, you can go buy 100 acres somewhere and pay virtually nothing in interest on it at the moment. Mm. And so if you've got a very high rental on the property you're leasing, yeah, you're better off to buy, aren't you? Yeah. Because the people that are going to go in there, um, you know, are big companies that aren't short of cash. So they can go buy or lease. Okay. So, so Tainui's got a problem that's going to have to either drop its lease rates right down or it's going to have to sell some of that land. And they've decided they're not going to sell part of that land. Well, so, Chris Joblin's supposed to be coming on here in, at some point, so yeah. I can so ask him. So you can ask him that, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be the issue that they have to deal with there. Yeah. Um, so if you look at um, the public transport, the link with Hamilton to Auckland, um, I'm a great believer in rail if it's smart investment, and um, and rail can work, and but we're, we're giving the public of Hamilton now as a false promise. So they've been promised a train from Hamilton to Auckland, uh, maximum of 160 people can go on it a day. Uh, leaves twice in the morning, leaves twice in the afternoon. Mm. Uh, it is diesel. Yeah. So, so it's. It's no, there's no environmental gain in it at all. Um, it's a diesel train. Um, when you can go on an expressway, which is four lanes, and you could be on an electric car and um, not have any emissions, and you, you're going to go on a diesel train, which is going to have emissions. Uh, the second thing, 160 people. The price on that's about 570000 a person subsidy. Uh, so uh, we could buy those 160 people a house in Papakura uh, for the same sort of thing and not have to do all the expense and hassle and 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 that. So it just doesn't stack up. Now that 570,000, part of that's capital cost of a couple of stations in the, in the Hamilton area, uh, but a, there's also the ongoing costs of maintaining and also the ongoing costs of um, the subsidy on the charge that you're going to pay so you, because you're not paying full price. Mm. What I understand, though, is that it's just a startup service and they plan to build on it over time. And I know when Jamie Strange is on here, he's saying that they're doing a business case yeah, there's to no, possibly no chance. make wrap no, up. You don't think so? No chance. No Why chance. not? Why not? Because you're looking at billions of dollars. Well, he said it would cost estimated around $5 billion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be at least that. Yeah. Um, you look at them, they've, they're trying to do a light rail from Auckland Centre to Auckland Airport. That's at about six billion now, going up to eight billion. Yeah, um, they can't. It's so big they can't even contract it, right? 
Well, this is, they've been talking about this for ages. And well, they, they promised it at last election and they can't even contract it because it's too big. And so imagine if you had to take that all the way to Hamilton. Yeah, because one of the biggest problems I find is New Zealand public transport is very bad. When you go overseas, you realise very quickly that it's not, particularly when it comes to rail, yeah. you're just well, underinvested in that area. Well, well, that's not true. The, the thing is that um, if you go to somewhere like Japan or Britain, where you've got 110 million people in the same size as New Zealand and Japan, or 70 million people in the same size as Britain is in New Zealand, and you come here and you've got 5 million people, and you're building on wetland, you know, that's that's harder to build on. Uh, you've got very separated population centres, like you haven't got really big cities in New Zealand. You've got one big city and the rest are all pretty small um, and spread out. It's very, And you've got the geographical way where we're not... You know, a well, nice, it's not flat terrain. No, no, yeah. and it's not a circle either or anything. It's a tough one to do. And so um, that... You've got to look at some perspective of that, you know, like if you go somewhere like um, uh, Australia, for example, and you go look at Sydney's or Melbourne's rail network, they look really great. But you've got a whole population of New Zealand in the Auckland area, basically, for Sydney, you know. So they can have a rail network that works really well. But when you've got, you know, 100,000 people in Dunedin, 500,000 people in Christchurch, 300,000 in mm. Wellington, 100,000 here, 100,000 in... I do. Th- I do think that the hard. yeah. I do think that up in North Island, particularly from Auckland to Taupo, there's a lot, a lot more of the cities and towns are in close proximity with each other compared yeah, to say very, the South Island. Yeah, but they're very small. You're looking at places like a Hiniwai, where even if that development goes ahead, you might have two thousand people there. You know. Yeah. So they're, they're very small compared with Sydney, where you got five million. You know, Bondi is probably the size of, you know, Hamilton. You know. Hmm. Um, so population. So you've got that that issue. Um, if you look at the rail, there is a sensible solution. And this is what we promised last year. And this is what the Labour Party should have do, done if they were going to be honest with people about rail. And that is to extend the Auckland Rail Network into the Waikato. So the Auckland Rail Network stops at Papakura. Yep. And you could go into basically um, Pukekohe is the next stop and then to Tuakau. We did the numbers on that. That's about 250 million if you did that. And then you would have um, electric trains running from Tuakau basically up to into the Auckland network and you'd be fine. And that is the smart option for Hamilton in the next five years. You get on a $2 billion expressway at Hamilton, you can drive up to Tuakau whether it's 10 a.m. in the morning or you know, 6 a.m. in the morning, whatever suits your day. You get onto a train there at a park and ride and you go straight into Auckland. But how long will that take? Well, it'll be the same time as the Auckland trains, which is probably about half an hour from there, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's a smart investment that you would do. And that, if, if Labor had said that, 100% behind them, I'd be going, yep, yeah, great, great. What they've done is they've sold us a farce. They've said, well, we'll give you a train from Hamilton, Auckland. It's only got 160 people. It's diesel, and it only gets you to Papakura. So you get to Papakura, you've got to get off and get on the Auckland yeah, Rail Network. Yeah, because it's an electric from yeah, there yeah. and then diesel. So you'd be better to take the electric network down to the North Waikato. Now you've got two problems there. It's 250 million against 90 million. So it's a bit more money. Yep. Um, second thing is that you're, you're going from the Auckland region into the Waikato region. So who pays for that change? So Auckland's Who not, does pay for that change? Yeah, Auckland's not <laughs> going to pay. And Waikato won't, won't, won't want to pay for the Auckland section of that change. So it has to come from central government to really get it going. Right. So that's what we promised last election in rail. That is the smart way to do it. And if you look at how we got the expressway, we didn't go and build a one-lane road each side of the expressway and, and go to the people, on 20 years' time, we're going to give you four lanes, you know, we actually built the four laning in sections and then people, once you had a couple of segments done, the next couple became easy to do. What they're doing here is effectively building a one lane road each side and then telling us on 20 years time we'll four lane it for you, you know? 
Well, that's yeah. Well, that's a problem that's ongoing yeah. in this country where we well, build well, stuff not, and then it's not built to capacity. Well, it's not because we we made sure when we did the expressway we built it to capacity, and then they're doing the rail. They should do the same there. Cause, but how come it took so long for the expressway? Because I mean, this is a, something that's been going I don't know like a decade, hasn't it? Well, it takes a long time to build it. We had a contract on it for a decade to build it because it's in different stages. Yeah. Um, it's taken longer now because what's happened is the Labor Party has stopped any future roading projects. Yeah, I think I know that's the reason why the Hamilton section has yeah. been yeah. delayed. And they, and they say, oh, it's because you, you had bad weather and you had to move dirt and all that. Well, they had to do the same with the Huntley section in the same weather because they both started at the same time, yep. and that's going to finish on time. So it's not around mm, weather. Valid point. So, um, so what effectively has happened is that a lot of the staff have left on the Hamilton section because they can't see jobs for them in two years' time because they've cancelled the next stage from Cambridge to Pyre. And, um, and I think the contractors are probably looking at that and going, well, why do we want to get it done too quickly? You know, we might as well hold off a bit. Yeah. I know Labor uh, announced just recently that they're investing more into road and rail. What was it, $12 billion? Was it $12 billion they Yeah, said? they're doing yeah. $12 billion infrastructure, but only $6.8 8, $6 billion is going to go into road or rail. Um, and we don't know where that's going yet. Um, it was a very um, knee-jerk reaction. They've, they've gone out there and just said to NZTA in the last couple of months, oh, we need you to do some projects. They know they've got all these people that are working on the roads going to lose their jobs soon. Uh, an election. Uh, no, and also they know the economy is slowing big time. So they need to get out there and get it going. And this is trying to give it a shot in the arm. Uh, the, the problem with it now is that they effectively have to do our projects because those are the only ones that really set up. And I don't think politically they've got the stomach to do that. So what they're going to do is find a lot of dodgy sort of solutions to spend that money, which will be a waste of money, when we could have spent that money exactly as you said, on fully blown projects that are future-proofed and do the right thing. Mm. What they'll do is they'll do a lot of little wee things that look like they're trying to solve solutions, but it'll just make it worse because they're only doing half-pie jobs. And um, that's what will come out of them in February and because they're, politically they can't stomach having to do our roads. And if they did the Cambridge to Pyre one, great, you know? But they should have done that two years ago and it should be ready to go in 2020 and it should have been done. And Southern Links should have been approved and ready to go after that. So let's say hypothetically that National got into power and, and you went ahead with the um, extending the expressway to Tauranga. How long would that take? Well, if you look at Cambridge to Pyre, that's about a three to four year project yep. uh, to build that one, uh, 450 million. So you've got to look at what the Waikato has lost as well. So uh, with the change of government, we lost a $450 million road from Cambridge to Pyre. Uh, we lost the potential of getting a med school, which could have been up to 500 million. Um, and, oh, okay. And we um, didn't get uh, Southern Links approved either under this government, whereas it possibly would have been under us. And uh, that's a 650 million project. And in return, we've got an $80 million, $90 million train. That's diesel and 160 people can go on. So we did really badly out of the last election. And um, they can give us $10 million for a theatre through the Provincial Growth Fund and 500000 to Smart Waikato and that, but they're all token things. You know, the reality is we lost hundreds of millions of dollars as a reg now that last election, and we're 10% of New Zealand's population. We should be getting 10% of New Zealand's infrastructure spend, and $90 million bucks isn't 10% of $12 billion that they're talking about. So what happens if this train hypothetically is a, a success and they fill out all the seats and stuff? Then what would what what would National do? If, well, if, if, you, got, if you got into... Um, yeah, well, we'd look at it then. But, um, you know, it, it's it's not a success because, you know, you've paying... Well, we don't know. It, it, <laughs> well, well, you know, you've got to look at the numbers. You know, 570000 We could buy everyone a... Yeah, a house for that, you know. So, well, I think because as someone who used to live in Auckland, I think part of the problem with Auckland is obviously house prices are ridiculous. But I think a big problem is people. If you want to work in Auckland, you have to live in Auckland. And if there was a say a fast transportation system, yeah, but we're not talking about a fast train. And to do a fast train, 
you're looking at five or six billion dollars if you use Labor's numbers that they're telling you, and they're just not going to spend that here. There's no way. There's no way he's going to get that spent. No way? No way. Not in his lifetime is he going to get that spent. Yeah. And if they did, you know, you've got to look at Wellington. It's got a similar sort of number they're asking for. Yeah, Auckland. but the population size is smaller between, say, the Wairapa and Wellington. No, no, they're just talking about in downtown Wellington. Oh, downtown Wellington. For 350,000 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're looking for about $6 billion as well. But Wellington's a lot more consolidated in terms of the yeah. CBD yeah, and how but it sits. But still and the want, airport's very They still close. want that kind of infrastructure spend for twice the population here. So where's government going to make a decision to spend that kind of money? It's not going to happen like that. Well, how it will happen is if you do bit by bit and then you finish it off in one great whack at the end. And so they've gone the wrong way around it. And that's why it's going to be a failure in the sense that it, it might fill up with people, but it's going to be a failure in the economic sense of it. And, and they've been very cute with it as well. You know, like um, when that was first designed, it would have stops in the northern towns, you know, like um, just out of, if you go to Tuakau and places like that, yep. they cut out all those stops yep. um, just to make it look like it's going to be leaving Hamilton full or coming back full. Mm. Yeah, you know, so it's it's been just a publicity stunt from day one. Um, if you were serious about it, they would have stopped at where the the population centres are, and they're talking about the northern corridor plan and that. If they were serious about the train linking, why did they take out those northern stops? The reason they took them out is because they don't want an empty train coming into Hamilton. I suppose that's a valid point. It's true. Yeah. And um, and so that's what we're dealing with. And like, I'm not against rail, but I'm against smart solutions to rail. Yeah. And getting that right rail into the Waikato is the first sense. And that's a big enough chunk of money to ask for for 250 million. Well, for I'd rail. imagine it would be easier than other parts in the country because the terrain around the Waikato is a lot. Oh, the Waikato is difficult. No, but the, you've got swampy terrain. Yeah, on swamp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why the roads are so difficult to build because you're building on swamp beside a river. But what about with building to, say, Tauranga, um, because you've got the Kaimai Ranges, which is Yeah, they very would tunnel hilly. through that caddy cat. There's a bit you can tunnel through there that's not that long. Really? Yeah. That would still be quite expensive, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, they were sort of talking about the same figures as the Waikato Expressway when they took that to Wellington. Really? Yeah. So that's But that would be the most difficult part of, the, of extending oh, it. Oh, for their one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we've got the same problem when we go to Tauranga now. How do we get across the Kaimais is going to be ex extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, if you look at rail going to the to Kaimais, you know, you've got a tunnel you'd, there. You'd have to tunnel there as well. Yeah. yeah. And that's only a freight train, you know. Yeah. And so that's going to limit the ability of growth in the Waikato for a, um, as a freight hub as well because mm. that rail line's essentially full. Mm. And you're not dealing with tens of millions of dollars to put a, a tunnel through under the Kaimais where that tunnel is. You're looking at hundreds of millions, if not billions. Well, because the thing is, whenever you allocate resources to one thing, you have to take away from another. Yeah, but you have to do it. That's, that's the whole point of government, to be smart around it, right? And to do what's best for New Zealand. You don't do what is just a political hack promise like a train like this one. You do what's best for New Zealand. But what's best for New Zealand is looking at that rail network, how you extend that rail ne network so you get the best bang for your buck. This is not the best bang for your buck. This is just a sideshow to say that you can say, look, you've got a train, you know? Well, good on it, but it doesn't work and it's gonna cost a lot of money. If you're really serious about public transport and you're really serious about rail, you would have done the right thing, which is extend the Auckland network into the Waikato. And what makes it more confusing for me is that most of the people that are rail advocates say oh, they do it on an environmental basis, you know. It's, um, you know, because public transport's seen as a, you know, reducing emissions. And you're putting a diesel train on, you know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's just no sense in it at all. Um, you know, if you really wanted to be environmentally friendly and use the rail option, which is what rail is... Yeah, that's what people propose it for. That's why the Green Party won't have any roads. They only want rail because it's environmentally friendly. Yeah. Well, then you do an electric train that goes from Papakura to Tuakau. You don't do a diesel train 
from Hamilton to Papakura just to make it look like you've got a rail connection. But to extend it, uh, that would be still quite costly in itself. Well, that's it? the numbers, 250 million against 90, and you get something that's real and decent, and then you extend it town to town as the towns grow, and then you get to Hamilton at some point, and you've got an electric train, and that's what you want. Because mm. let's, let's say, for example, a town like Pocono, there's no yeah. public transport no. at all and, there, and, and it really where, needs something. And that's where the Tuakau station will allow them to get to there. Yeah. Because that's not far away. So that's why you would do it. And you could drive on your expressway. Yeah, you're using a $2 billion road that we've just built. You might as well get people driving on it. They can go up in their electric car, get off at Tuakau, hop on an electric train, and we're all good. But don't you end up spending a lot of money on road maintenance when you're having to move a lot of cars back and forth, particularly trucks on well, the expressway? Well, you, you look at the um, Cambridge to Pyre, 20,000 cars go on that a day, right? Yep. And that's a $450 million project, right? Mm-hmm. And we're spending $90 million on 160 people a day. Yeah. So, you know, you know look, the, the, there's a reason there isn't a rail network between Cambridge and Hamilton and there is a road, and, and that because rail is the most expensive form of transport you can get, and, um, and it's very, very expensive. But Roads the, the, are cheaper. Yeah, but the, you, obviously you don't make money back on rail, but it's in the productivity aspect, isn't well, it? There's no productivity spending $90 million on 160 people when you can spend $450 million on 20,000. But I imagine the argument would be, people would say the argument is, well, at least on a train, you can do your work on the train, you can you well, know, well, relax and stuff, as, as opposed to driving. Because well, I've driven to Auckland and it's yeah. it's tiring well, just it's good, driving there. Yeah, well, it's good for 160 people, but uh, what about the other 20,000 that have to go on the cars between Cambridge and um, Pyairi. Yeah, it yeah. takes them 45 minutes to do that now, you know, and peak time if there's summer and all that, you know, you've got to stand at, you know, sit at that intersection for half an hour, mm. you know. What's the productivity on that? Be much so, more than 160 people that can sit on their laptops. Yeah. And actually, the, the, the speed the train's going to go to Papakuri, you could probably drive to there much quicker now well, on the expressway. Well, once, once the Takanini <laughs> section is fixed yeah which then is next you, you'll be then i would say you the drive to auckland would be faster than the train well it's going to be faster anyway because it's going to take in about two hours to get to papakura or something i think something silly like that on the train well i think the total from what i read it was i think it was two hours and 20 minutes is the yeah. total time between yeah. hamilton well, cbd it, to auckland cbd yeah i think it's an hour 45 to papakura or something like that on the yeah, train yeah, right yeah. well it depends obviously on how long you have to wait yeah, yeah. For, that, yet, for that train well then you've got to wait in papakura yeah wait yeah, for Papa, yeah, at yeah. papakura but it's an hour 45 train. i think to get from hamilton to papakura yeah so you got to go to hamilton you got to go there so if you're actually five o'clock you've got to be there at 5 30 to catch the train right yeah get your ticket um then you got to get on the train and you get off at Papakura, you might have another half an hour there where you miss the trains because they're going to be full because you're going at a peak time. Yeah. You can drive from the northern suburbs of Hamilton to Papakura in an hour, hour 10. But I have, I have driven to the Auckland CBD during peak hour and you yeah. can easily spend three hours no, no, if no. not more. Well, what I'm saying is that when the expressway is finished, right, Yep. and you live in the northern suburbs of Hamilton, it'll be quicker to drive to Papakura and get on train than it will be to drive from the northern suburbs to the base to sit you put your car there to wait for the train to get on the train to go to papakura to get off the train at papakura and wait for the next one okay yeah yeah so your productivity for those 160 people is going to be probably marginal you might half an hour might be all you get out of it because the the, the time on the train is going to be much longer than the time that you're going to be able to drive. Well, it, dep well, it depends if they're doing work on the train, I suppose. But that's what I mean. You're only going to get half an hour of work out of them probably if you're really lucky. You see the numbers? So if you if you, if you you live in, say, the northern suburbs of Hamilton, yeah. which yeah, a lot of people do, yep. Yep. where you're going to have to drive across town to the base to park your car. Oh, I see. Yep. Okay. I see what yep. you mean. Yeah. Yep. yep. Then you're going to have to sit at the base for a quarter of an hour to wait for that train. Yep. 
then you're going to have to get on that train and you're going to have an hour 45 journey to Papakura, right? Mm, mm. If you live in the northern suburbs, you can hop on that expressway and be at Papakura at 5 a.m., you know, and probably in an hour's time, you know? Yeah. That's from Papakura to Auckland Central. That's where you lose your time driving, right? Mm. On the four-lane road, you'll get there in pretty quick time. And um, that productivity, you know, that you might spend an hour in your car, but you're going to spend an hour and a half, hour 45 just on the train, and then you're going to spend half an hour getting to the train. So you're going to spend probably two hours going on the train. Yeah. Yeah. And you can spend, so you could do that hour and a half's work at home if you wanted to get up at 5 a.m. and work at home on your computer and then drive for 45 to 50 minutes or an hour, whatever it's going to take you on the expressway, you're probably not going to lose more than you're driving to the base and waiting for a train, you know? So would you ever use that train, hypothetically, like yourself? Oh, maybe, but it wouldn't be... If you're going to a concert or something, I don't know. No, it wouldn't, but we can't because you can't use it for anything like that. Well, we, you can, well, you can really only use it to get into the CBD. Well, you can, no, anything the that involves Britama, I suppose. But the times, you know, so if you go to a concert or something and you want to come back at 11 o'clock at night, it doesn't run. Yeah, well, if it, if it did, then you would use it? Would you well, use it? Well, that was a very big hypothetical because that's, that's a $6 billion, you know, project that, um, yeah, if it was there properly, I would, but I would probably prefer if we... Well, I definitely would prefer if we did it in the stage process mm. because then you can get the rail option. So I'm not against rail. I'm against this proposal because I think you're selling the people of Hamilton a pup when we could actually get that 90 million being part of it. And you'd decent. rather it be allocated to, say, the expressway? Or no, I said the, that rail money is to get the Auckland one down to, to a cow. Yeah. That's where I want to see the rail money go. Okay. That's the smart, sensible one. Okay, you're not, tell you, not, not telling people at Hamilton you've got a train service tomorrow, but you're giving them a better structural decision going over time. And that's what you said before. Governments haven't been doing that. And the reason they haven't been doing that is because they have these political promises that are effectively rubbish. And, um, and they, they dress them up and say, look, you're getting a train to Auckland. When the reality is, if you look at the costs, you look at the efficiency, there's much better things we could do with that money. Would you be open to extending it to the Auckland Airport, though? Uh, the rail? Yeah. Well, that's what they're trying to do at the moment, but they can't even get it off the ground. So, you know, Auckland de needs a decent rail public transport at some point. Okay? Oh, it does. Yes. And nobody's against that, okay? But it's how you do it. You well, know, I know. I know Auckland is geographically challenged due to it sitting on an isthmus. So I know it is quite but, but difficult. What the, well, the, the, not even that. Like what the, they're talking about in Auckland is a tram, not a high-speed tram. Okay. Right. So if you go to Melbourne, you see these trams that go through and stop at every intersection. That's what they're talking about. If they were really serious about rail to the airport, they would do a spur from the rail line that we drive along on the southern motorway. Yep. Straight out the airport. And that would be at the, what you'd do if you were serious about getting people from Auckland Airport to Auckland City on rail. But this isn't about linking to Auckland Airport. This is about those suburbs that the Labor Party hold, that um, like Mount Roskill and all through there, that they want to have public transport going for their people to get into downtown Auckland. And so they're building a tram. If they were serious about public transport from the Auckland Airport to town, you would just carry a rail through to the, where the um, southern motorway is and then straight on up. Where would you, how would you build it though? I mean, because there's, well, not, really, to, there's not much land left available. Oh, no, to, there's plenty on that side because that, that road from the, where you turn off the southern motorway to go to the airport, yeah. you could put a train track beside that easily because a lot of that's industrial. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a valid point. Yeah. And, and as soon as you go on that road, you're going, you got a train beside you all the way up to Auckland. Mm. So if you're serious about rail, you do that. But they're not serious about rail. They're serious about telling people of Mount Roskill and all those other suburbs, we'll give you free public transport the rich New Zealand's going to pay for. Um, so what's your, because we've been talking about uh, public transport yeah. for quite a while, but um, what's your vision for Hamilton? You've said that you want, Hamilton to grow. Yeah. So what? So, are, so besides so, the expressway, what are some things that can yeah. help contribute to that? So we've put out, like I put out a wrap on the um, Hamilton Press this week. So if you yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yep. So that's got um, a few points in there. First of all, there's the road from Cambridge Pyre 
yep. get part of that link to Tauranga, keeps that progress expressway going. Uh, second thing in that is Southern Links, uh, which is a $650 million roading project, which basically goes around the back of uh, the west side of um, through Kaihekate, a drive around there, coming back and round it to Tamahiri at the airport there. Uh, so that, that gives the, the loop road, the ring route road in Hamilton that fi- full, uh, finishes that off. So we've got an internal ring route road, which is very much like what Melbourne's got. You know, you've got a series of ring route roads. Um, you know, that's how you do good city planning. Um, and that would really open up that industrial area at the airport um, and the South Hamilton, so the Peacocks area, for example, only one third can be developed with the bridge that's been built now. The other two thirds require this road to be done to get those houses in. Mm. So it's vital that they have this road to do that. Otherwise, Hamilton City Council has got a 10 year debt that they can't pay back. So the yeah. money that's been lent to them, they have to pay back in 10 years time. And it's on the basis of subdivisions. Well, only one third of those subdivisions can be done under the existing infrastructure. So if that road is 20 that years... That wasn't or, mentioned during the election. No, no, no. And I had a lot of the local um, politicians yeah, on here. Yeah. They didn't mention this. No. And so if they don't get that road done, they put the, the, the city council at risk of having, having, coming to Wellington asking for us to pay that money. So, um, so that's another issue there. So that's the second project that's really vital. Uh, the third one is that Northern Corridor. So... What Labor's been doing, we started that work, Stephen Joyce started that work, because that's why we built the expressway, yep. is to enable things like that, and that's why we have the interchanges to enable growth. Um, but it's being, um, I'd say, butchered by the Labor Party in the sense that they're looking at having a lot of little towns along there. And that, that you may say, oh, that sounds great, you know, it's, why don't we have a little town at Haniwai, why don't we have a little town at Tikawata, why don't we have a little town at, uh, off Huntley there and all that. But the reality is when you come to government's point of view and we have to build a secondary school for Haniwai was only 2,000 people, it doesn't mm. work. If we have to go buy, build a hospital for Huntley with 10,000 people, it doesn't work. If we have to go put water into those places, because that's the... When you way- say it doesn't work, are you just meaning in terms of cost? Yeah. Well, we can't build... Like if you build a... The only new high school built in Hamilton recently has been Rotatuna, where 30,000 people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't build... You're not going to be building a high school at um, uh, Peacocks, who's only two or 3,000 houses going in, right? Hmm. So you need economies of scale to do that, because, you know, for government investment. And so the services are going to be broken down into all these little centres. And we're going to have to build a school in each little one, um, how they're going to get water and sewerage to each little one. You know, the, that's very difficult. And so I think that they've missed the boat on that. They should be looking at having one decent centre in between Hamilton and Auckland. A lot of those towns were already there, though. Yeah, but the thing is that they're um, promoting growth in them that once you get promote that kind of growth, then you do put pressure on your schools, you do right. put pressure on your health system, and you do put pressure on your, you know. I think the reason why they're doing it, it's, it comes back to interlinking with the train, though, I suppose. Yeah, but the train doesn't stop at them. So well, that's, currently, yes. Yeah, 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 it's so smart. <laughs> yeah. um, but the other thing is that, um, the, and it's because they don't understand what it was set up for. So this was a program we set up and it was set up for the purpose of doing that, of having a city between Hamilton and Auckland, right? Mm. I was there. That's why we did it. Okay? Yeah. These guys have picked it up and go, oh, what do we do with it? Oh, we can build a lot of little centres. They don't understand what it's there for, and they're getting it wrong. Okay. And um, and so the, that shows the incompetence that they've had on all economic issues that we've seen from the government. The train's a great example. What they're doing in the Northern Corridor is a great example. Um, And what they've done with the expressways is a great example of just incompetence around economic issues. And Waikato is paying for that. The other thing I mentioned in there was the med school. So we had put that up for tender. So each university could put a tender in. Waikato is quite happy with that. They're not saying they should just be given it. They want to prove that they've got the best case. Um, Labor have said no to that, flat no. Why? Because the minister is from Dunedin, and um, and he's very close to Dunedin University. Oh, and he thinks it's going to 
take well, away from well, Dunedin. Dunedin is the biggest opponent of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, to be honest, I mean, Dunedin, the only reason it's kept alive is by places yeah. like Otago University. And well, that's the only thing that keeps it alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it's a small town that's not growing. Mm. Whereas we're a bigger town that is growing. You're right. Yeah. So, um, so he's fundamentally against it and won't allow it. So, so what? So what would it take for that to be pushed through? Uh, well, I think you'd have to get rid of the Labour Party. So the thing is that uh, we've put in our discussion document around uh, education that we'd relook at that option. Uh, Labour Party are going to do a deal with the med schools, Auckland and Otago, next year, uh, where they'll say we're going to do some rural training. And well, what does that uh, mean? Well, I'll give you a good example. Waikato Hospital used to do a third of Auckland med school students used to come here. Yeah. A third mm. would come here and get trained because Auckland hospitals were too full. Yeah. And guess how much research money we got out of the, all the money that goes to Auckland University for medical research? How much? About zero, right? They just used all the money up north and they used us as a cash cow to do their hard work of delivering those students, right? Yeah. Now, suddenly with us proposing to have a, um, uh, a med school here, yep. I think it was about 10% of Auckland students went through you know, Tauranga about that same time. And these are just general numbers, but they'll pretty give you a feel. Yep. Um, now, Auckland Med School have a major investment in Tauranga Hospital Campus. Oh, wow. So they're moving their students to Tauranga. Yeah. They've set up a thing at Whakatane for rural health. Okay. So they're moving out of the Waikato so that we don't have that ability to do the med school. So those are the kind of games that go on. So this is not a this is not a world where people just go in there and shake hands and say, hey, let's all play nice and... and, and well, there's always discussion and always... But these are active and... economic decisions that are made by institutions to stop process, processes happening. And you can talk to Ewan Wilson about what he had happen with him with Air New Zealand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Auckland University and Tay University are playing hardball on this. And they're deliberately moving their training out of Waikato to do that. And Otago has got a problem. I mean, you see why they're doing it, though. Yeah, I know, but they should be. We, they are funded by the New Zealand government yep. to act in the New Zealand government's best interest. Yes, I, I totally agree. And that they are not to make those decisions. If they want to fund themselves, go for it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll cut the funding off, let yeah. them see how long they last. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they are funded by you and I as taxpayers. Mm. And we pay the tax for them to do those decisions, which are not what they're there for. Their job is to do what we give them with tax money as effectively as possible, not to play political games. Mm. And if you look at Otago, its problem is that you know, where does it train its med, med students? We can't in Otago because, you know, there's not enough people there at the hospitals. So most of their training is done in Wellington, Christchurch. Yeah. So they have basically the hospitals Taupo South. Yeah. Auckland University has the hospitals Taupo North. Ah, oh, right. I see. So Otago relies heavily on Victoria, the, on Wellington and uh, Christchurch to, to train their doctors. Yeah. And so they're going to set up and they'll say, oh, well, we'll put a medical um, training facility at Palmerston North and call it a rural one. Or we'll put one at Whakatane for Auckland and call it a rural one. And that's to all to try and stop the Waikato bit over time. Mm. They've had 20 or 30 years as being med schools. They've never done it then, have they? Is there is there um, potential for, you know, the uh, Waikato Hospital to be expanded? Because I know it's at capacity, isn't it? I mean, well, I Well, the thing the is, that's, that, that's the question. If if you look at, um, if we lose that race against Tauranga, um, then Waikato Hospital won't get the expansion. So if you look at cancer treatment, it used to be done all here. Uh, now it's moving to Tauranga. Tauranga are doing their own cancer treatment. So we, we do a lot of the tertiary services for for lakes and Tauranga, right? Yep. Tauranga now is starting to pick those up and take them back to their area. Right. So well, that's the that's the thing. If you don't have a major city here that's growing, then they'll slice off bits and take it back and grow their own pie. So Waikato Hospital's issue isn't so much, you know... But should we be, we be working in conjunction with Tauranga as opposed to against them? 
you know, because well, this is this is this is the, what I hear. It's like we should be yeah. working together. Well, we are, each and other. that's what I'm saying. That we need to work together. Like I'm not saying it's competition. I'm saying being collaborative. Yeah. But let's be real about what's happening. Okay. And if you don't grow, and if you don't make those links to Tauranga, then these kind of things are just going to keep going and going and going. And then at the end, when you get to a point where you go shouldn't we invest some more money in Waikato Hospital? You go, nah, we should go invest in Tauranga because they're doing their own things there and they haven't got the facilities. Mm. And so government can't invest in both at the same time. You know, we the governments have limited funds. Yep. They have to make choices. Interesting. And that's the geopolitical thing that's going on. Yeah. And so don't get lost in little trains for 160 people. Oh, hey, I'm just going off what other people have been told me. This is why I had you on, you see. Or or, um, theatres that, you know, you get 12 million from the government, uh, which, you know, sounds great. You know, the real stuff is the roading link with Tauranga, the roading link around the bottom of the city, the med school. If we get that med school, we... Put Hamilton, we put Hamilton Hospital, Waikato Hospital, and we put the university on the map. And um, we're not subject to these little games that Otago and Auckland are playing. Do you think the inland port will help with that somewhat, though? If I think it'd be marginal. Really? Yeah. But they've got to sort out their pricing. Well, I'll talk to Chris about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, yeah, we need that city between Hamilton and Auckland. Um, and that's part of that northern corridor bit. And the other thing I put in that document is that we need to have the boundaries of Hamilton extended. Yes, I so, agree. So you look at... Um, Do you feel uh, places like Tamahiri and Cambridge should be amalgamated with Hamilton? Uh, probably not at the moment, no. Uh, maybe 20 or 30 years' time it might happen, but not at the moment. Uh, the area I'm talking about is between the river and the expressway. There's a whole chunk of land there that is broken into two blocks. One was to come into Hamilton in 2039 and one was to come in in 2045. Right. Now, when that was set up, that was when Hamilton wasn't growing that fast and you know, and it was never perceived and the expressway probably wasn't even perceived as being built, you know? Yeah. Um, now that's all happened. They are in Waikato District. Now, the Mayor of Hamilton went to Waikato District last year and tried to get them back and the Mayor of Waikato District said, nah, nah, you're going to have to pay me um, a lot of money. So um, I think that that's an issue that needs to be sorted. Now, uh, Hamilton's new council is taking the approach that there are no boundaries. So if you have them yeah, coming, yeah, they I go, oh, there's no boundaries before. between us and all that. That's absolute rubbish. There's no way they'll be able to survive with that technique because, you know, there's no boundaries. Then how come, you know, like Waikato gets all the money out of Tamahiri for the rates on those big properties? Their kids go to Hamilton schools. Well, this is the thing. Their, yeah, their yeah. kids use Hamilton, you know, sports fields. Their parents work in Hamilton, and they use Hamilton arts facilities and sports fields and stadiums and all those things. Mm. And Hamilton gets zero out of those people in rates. So, you know, you can talk about oh, let's not have boundaries, but that's just a political ploy to try and get discussions going again. Um, well, and I suppose the people from those towns wouldn't want an amalgamation either, so it's... it's no, but the thing is that... Um, it's pandering you know, to them. Well, no, it's not so much that. I think it's the council taking a different tack to try and get back in negotiation because the, the relationships between Waikato and Hamilton got pretty sour when they tried to do that deal, right? I've, yeah. un, I, from what I understand is it's in a... Uh, conversations are in a better position now. Yeah, I know. Due but, to collaborations on other things. No, no, it's because Hamilton's basically put up the white flag and said, well, you can, you know, we're not looking at the boundaries, you know? Okay. So they should be looking at the boundaries because that land um, is the easiest part of Hamilton to develop. All the infrastructure over the last few years has been put through that eastern side. Yeah. It's much cheaper to develop than any other part of Hamilton. So Radakari is very difficult to develop because it's on wetland. Yeah. Yep. Peacock's very difficult to develop as well because it's away from the infrastructure. Yep. This has got all the pipes just leading to it. you just got to carry them on. Mm. And it would be the cheapest land for Hamilton to develop. And you might say, well, why is that relevant? Well, every time you get a big rate rise, they say, well, it's because of the cost of infrastructure, right? Yeah. Well, this is the cheapest cost of infrastructure. 
So we should be developing there. And it's only that segment between the expressway and the river. So it's a triangle. And you can go drive it now if you want, and you'll see the green grass between the expressway and the river. Yeah. We're not talking about thousands of hectares. You know, it's uh, two blocks that would actually enable Hamilton to grow quickly and would be cheaper than any other growth in the city. Do you agree with that Tiawa Lakes? I think that was a good idea. The trouble is that you're putting it between two industrial nodes. You know, you've got one side, you've got Tarapa Dairy Factory. Yeah. And the other side, you've got Horatio. Well, I know Fonterra are totally against it. Well, they know that if they have people living there, you know, that's going to be hard for them, you know? Yeah. And um, in the end of the day, I'd probably, I think that if I was them, I'd probably shelve the residential idea and I would build an innovation park type thing there where people could work in modern work environments. You know, you could have those lakes there and it could be like a little bit of a Silicon Valley sort of thing. Would you still have the water park thing? Well, I don't know if they've got quite that hot on that anymore now either. Oh, really? Okay. So, but the the thing is they they can't get rid of that water. So you have to have lakes there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So instead of building houses around it, why don't we build, say, three-story like innovation park, that kind of buildings Mm. that would be for high-tech businesses to go in there it's close to auckland road um it's still industrial you could say you know your people aren't living there every night you know yep. um so they're not putting the washing out and getting the you know the fumes from the factories um and so that you know and like it's worked well in hamilton east at innovation park we could do one of those in the north and i think that would be a better look coming into hamilton too yeah yeah you got a, a nice little silicon valley there you know Cool. All right. Well, um, hey, I know you got to get going. Yeah. But um, this has been an awesome chat. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming through. No worries. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do this again, yeah. I think. Cool, bro. Go more in de- detail. So, um, yeah. Thanks again, David. Uh, no if worries. anyone wants to get in contact with you. Yeah, my office, uh, 510 Gray Street. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's the show, guys. Uh, make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Until next time, stay safe. Sweet. Thanks, bro.